Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. Never settle. And that led to everything, right? So and I, I teach this now, and again, kids look at me like I'm crazy. But, you know, like, you, you go out on the mat, and let's say you win 12 to 0, right? Well, when you walk off the mat, like, part of me, you, you should be good, you should be happy, but part of you in your head should say, I missed three points. You know, I, I should have got the tech ball. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. We greatly appreciate you tuning in. My guest today is Brent Metcalf. Currently the assistant coach at Iowa State, one of the most intense, formidable competitors we've ever seen in college wrestling. He won two national championships for the Hawks, and he was on a team that won three team titles for Coach Brands back in the late 2000s. And let's not forget that when Metcalf was coming out of high school, he was one of the most highly titled prospects of all time. He was 228-0 for Davidson High School and won six Fargo titles. Absolutely love this conversation. Hope you do as well. Fan of the week goes to Sam Herring. He's a stud of a wrestling fan. He hosts a podcast called Home Mat Advantage. And he's only in like middle school, high school. He's young and he's doing a podcast already. It's unbelievable. So thank you for tuning in, Sam. Last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a star rating. So if you're on the Apple Podcast app, scroll on down to the bottom and hit whatever star you deem appropriate. No judgment. And that's it. Let's give it up for Brent Metcalf. Peace. You know, going back to your childhood, where I know you grew up in Davidson, which, man, what? Yeah. Thank the lucky stars for being born in that city because a lot of people who went there traveled in and kind of migrated in, but you were actually part of that city and club growing up. Um, Is that right or no? Pretty much, uh, yeah, yeah, generally. Um, so we'd call it the Flint area. Um, it's the larger area, but then that county. Um, so I, I grew up between two towns. I was born in Davidson, born and raised there, and then I actually went to the next door. T- so it's the type of town where you drive five, ten minutes, and you're at the next town, you know? Mm-hmm. We just, because we moved houses, Gooderich was, was the neighbor neighboring town. So I spent, you know, up through almost, elementary and into middle school in Goodrich and then um seventh eighth grade and all the way through graduation I moved back to Davidson 
Um, but you know, you got a difference of 10 miles here, you know? So yeah, I, I grew up in that area. Um, kind of stumbled across actually Goodrich would have been the town where I started in the kids club and where I, you know, had started in the sport of wrestling. So really fortunate that one at the time, at that time of year, Goodrich was probably one of the best in the state, like their kids club was. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't know that, you know, I stumbled in into it. Um, and then, you know, out of that club, you had myself, um, and then you had Paul Donahoe, who was already in that club, and he went on to be an NCAA champion. And then Johnny Reeder, who you said you've already spoken to, he uh, he trained in that area too. So you had three NCAA champions that just happened to be little kids, <laughs> all grown up in the same little club. You know? Man. So he was at another – Johnny was from – before was from another – again, go another 10 minutes, and you got Lapeer, and then he ended up coming into Davidson. So, yeah, it's just kind of ironic that, you know – that there's just three and there was a lot of other great guys too, who I would put right at our caliber that just maybe never really made it to that, that high a level, but they were pretty unbelievable. So yeah, really lucky that, that, that was kind of the club that I walked into, you know? So was it really great coaches or, and I'm sure it was definitely that, but you seem like a guy where your attitude's everything and you're a super positive guy and that whatever you did you wanted to be the best at it, whether it was like BMX riding or skateboarding. Where do you think that came from for you? Um, that sort of competitive edge, I guess. Um, well, it's like I don't know. You don't. You don't I meet mean, too many crazies like that. Where, hey, you pick up something <laughs> and then you want to be the best at it. Like I'm kind of like that. Yeah. And I was talking to uh, to a to a guy we had on a couple of weeks ago, and I I was kind of struggling with the fact that you know with my day job, a lot of people aren't crazies like that they do it just to get in get out they're not completely obsessed mm-hmm. with things they don't have passions you seem like a guy who you're 100 percent all the way or not doing it um and i just like that in people yeah yeah i'm not sure where that comes from i mean I'm, i think my mom's probably pretty crazy in that way too uh, my dad is was uh unbelievably hard work growing up um i think you know, that I, I, now that I have kids of my own, I'm pretty convinced that, you know, sometimes kids just have or they don't, and they're just wired different ways. And I think it hits nail on the head where that's pretty much what I would say drew me to wrestling was the fact that I had control over it. You know, I did a lot of different sports. And again, like you had said, I was about trying to be the very best, right? So football was something I loved. But what killed me about football is that on the final play, if your teammate misses to catch you know you don't want to blame your teammate because you're a team but at the same time you're like i didn't have control over that situation i couldn't control whether we won or lost where that's what i love about wrestling was no matter what at the end of the day if i win i know it's because of what i did and if i lose and this is the best part i know it's because of me and that i can handle right i can handle pointing fingers at myself and saying all right i'm the one that needs to make the correction you know so i think that's something that really stuck with me about the sport of wrestling is that I kind of controlled my own destiny, you know, win or lose. Right. You know? So. I mean, you legitimately never lost a folk-style match in high school, and you won Fargo six times. So how did you find opportunities to get that self-reflection and make improvements when you were just so far ahead of people you were wrestling in high school? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I obviously I had um, great coaches, you know, go all the way back to – um, my club days, right? I mean, we we had some unbelievable coaches, 
And at that time, I mean, you're, you're talking about Michigan, um, and this isn't the ding Michigan, but Michigan doesn't have the wrestling uh, culture or even maybe experience that maybe the state of Iowa does, right? So you're not, you'll have NCAA champions or, or college wrestlers um, in every high school mm-hmm. in the area, you know? So I was fortunate to have unbelievable club coaches that, that when I look back in that little kid's club that I grew up in, was just teaching really good basic stuff, you know, that, you know, just or reflect, I kind of feel like, wow, I was lucky that, that I had really good quality coaches. And that transitioned into Roy Hall. Um, Legend. Who was, yeah, wrestled at Michigan State. Um, great in his own right. Done a lot of really great things on the mat. And I, I, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, obviously, obviously, like you said, I had to be a little crazy and uh, in my head um, as far as just, like using my imagination to keep myself motivated, if that makes sense, right? And not kind of settle. And I think I learned a lot of that from Coach Hall as far as not settling and not. Because when he asked me the question about being undefeated and doing what I did, um, you know, it was a lot of good guidance, you know, a lot of good guidance. And a lot of times where I put myself in situations where, um, you know, I'm really challenging myself. Again, crazy things like right. I'm wrestling guys that are way too big for me, or something like that. Or <laughs> I put myself in the college room environment as much as I can, and what was legally possible at the time, right? You know, I spent a lot of time, you know, searching, especially later in high school. Spent a lot of time on the road, just searching um, for just good training and things like that. So, but yeah, I think a lot of it goes back to Roy Hall. And you know, one thing he had always said to me was, you know, his, his kind of. Um, I don't know what he, that motto, whatever you want to call it, his saying to us was always, always, don't be satisfied, never settle. You know, and that's something that rung with all of us. And if you ask any of those Davidson guys, those those words go through their head to it, this day. What was you it know, again? Don't never settle. settle. Don't, never don't be satisfied. Yep. Never settle. And that led to everything, right? So and I, I teach this now, and again, kids look at me like I'm crazy. But, you know, like you, you go out on the mat, and let's say you win 12 to 0. Right. Well, when you walk off the mat, like part of me, you, you should be good, you should be happy, but part of you in your head should say, "I missed three points." You know, I could, I should have got the tech ball, or maybe if you do get the tech ball, then it's, oh, I, I probably could have pinned that guy. I, <laughs> I should have been pinned that guy. So when you're done, you're walking off the mat, you got something. And again, this isn't negative thinking. It's not, um, you know, I think there's a hard balance, right? Because you definitely don't want kids being negative, but. Um, you know, to me, it was like, I'm still working. Like, no matter what, no matter how many times my hand get raised, I can look back at a match and I can reflect on it and say, hey, I can be better. I can be better. You know, and that's what kind of kept me clicking. Well, and especially if it's really who you are, I can remember when you were at Iowa, some people would say, God, there's no way that Iowa people actually think like that. Like, maybe you pin a guy in two minutes and you're like, I'm not happy with my performance. And some people look at it and they're like, that's bullshit. There's no way he's not happy. But for someone like you where that's that's how you got to that point in your life was this kind of relentless pursuit of trying to improve that was really who you were yeah yeah it was yeah. <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> but you know what like you got to be crazy a little bit you know right that's wrestlers i know are all crazy right <laughs> especially in a different way right? even like people who are successful in anything in life like you talk to some yeah. super successful ceo like they're getting up at 4 30 and they're just go 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 they can't stop and I like that about mm-hmm. people, um, and that's obviously why I like doing the show because most of the people on here are like that. 
Um, what what crazy thing did you cook up in your head when you were in high school to get yourself motivated? You know, you talked about driving to like Michigan State to practice or whatever, but like on a daily basis, what things were you kind of building up your mind to, to motivate you? Well, I, I would say probably the biggest driving force at that time was Dustin Schlater, who um, just a brief history. You go back, you know, our, so our, our family, so Dustin was the younger one and CP was the older one. Are you, are you familiar with those names? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you guys' so battles at Fargo, family. dude, were nuts, but go ahead. Yes, take us through the journey. We, we, battled, we battled since we were, like, little children. So ever since I started going to national tournaments, for whatever reason, it seems like Dustin would be there and CP would be there. And then myself and I had an older brother, Chase, we would both be there and we'd match up every single time. And since, I mean, it probably wasn't that long, but it is my memory is just ever since I can remember every time I went to an national tournament, Dustin was there, he'd beat me and then CP would beat my brother. And that's just how it went. And it went on for years and years. What well, felt like, I mean, I don't remember time. Yeah. It felt like years and years and years. Right. Um, so then as we start to grow here, you know, that was, to be honest with you, that was a driving force for me. And um, was every single day was like, hey, what's this guy doing? Because he's the guy I need to beat. He's the guy I need to beat. And then specifically, uh, my senior year, um, you know, Coach Hall again giving him a ton of credit of keeping, keeping maybe a what's the right word like a keeping a target out there for me. He matched us up, so we were going to wrestle each other at the Medina tournament um, over Christmas. <laughs> so you've got, you know, you've got like a, a year's worth of a buildup where I know in advance, like, okay, this is what I'm going to play. This is, this is my chance to get this guy. I think in all the years we wrestled, in, including college, I believe I only beat him three times and he probably owns about 10 plus on me, you know? Wow. So, so yeah, that was a big driving thing. So you what know, happened at the Medina tournament? tournament? Uh, well, it, I don't, I, I, here's what happened. Last like 10 seconds or whatever, five seconds, three seconds. I, we were tied, and I went to inside trip him, and he fell down on my legs and double legged me, took me down. Oh, the win. oh man. Well, they had said the buzzer was up or something. Like, I thought I lost, you know, so there's my my perfect record, right? Um, That's what I was going to say. Thought I lost. Well, they said, they said the time was up. So they, they changed the call, and this is in Ohio, too, so you ain't getting no calls. They changed the call, and we went into overtime, right? And he chose down, and I wrote him out for the 30 seconds or whatever, you know. So I was going to ask, is that. Medina in Michigan or Ohio, man? I, <laughs> that was my next question. No, it's Ohio. <laughs> yep, the, the tournament still goes on. Michigan had some funky rules, you know. We, we couldn't wrestle in the Ironman. We couldn't wrestle in all these tournaments because there's, like, travel restrictions, you know. Gotcha. So, and then, but yeah, that was, you know, especially later in my career, he, he was a big driving force, you know. Didn't you guys battle at Fargo too a couple times? Um, I actually don't think we ever wrestled at Fargo. Okay. Because at that time we were at different weights or something. My brother may have wrestled CP, um, but no, we we wrestled a ton as little kids. I can't tell you how many darn times. And it was always I'd lose by point, lose by point, lose by point. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the so. first era of guys coming. Maybe not the first, but the one I can remember of guys coming into college that could win right away because the youth level was starting to get so good. Yeah. And I mean, specifically, you know, Dustin, obviously he went on and he did win right away. Right. You know, my redshirt year, he won the national tournament. 
Um, so, yeah. And then when you got out to Virginia Tech, you redshirted your first year, and I heard a story that you went to Russia or did some type of international travel, had some good battles, and that's when you realized yeah. you could win a national title. What what happened there? Um, so I guess the uh, the shorter version would be, so I went to Virginia Tech, and I redshirted that year, and then Tom Brands got the head job at Iowa, and um, we basically did have a home, right? Because we were going to leave and go to Iowa and follow Tom there, but we couldn't be on campus. And I'm, again, I'm kind of piecing memory together here. Mm-hmm. We couldn't be on campus until like classes started or it would have been like a violation or something. So I lived at the Olympic training center um, that summer with Terry, because Terry Brands mm-hmm. was the uh, resident coach at that time. So I lived there and during that kind of break, so that ineligible year, um, yeah, I ended up traveling. I went on a tour with Terry. Uh, we, we went to um, Mahachkala in Dagestan, and we did like a we did a a tournament where I was I was I was you know I'm I don't know how old I'm uh, 19 years old and I'm wrestling with all these senior level guys. Um, did that tournament and then we wrestled a dual meet. Um, I don't remember exactly the town, but that was in Dagestan. So it was like the first time we'd ever, anyone had ever been in this region. And that dual meet, I wrestled the first match I wrestled Arneev, who was a two time world champ. And then the second match, I wrestled Sahin, who ended up moving to Turkey and being the Olympic champion in 08. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, both those matches I lost. But the, you know, the thing I remember was like Arneev, I remember I took him down. And I was right in the match. It was one of those things where, like, I was trying to get a takedown right at the end, and if I had gotten it, I would have won, right? So I'm walking off the mat, and I'm thinking to myself, like, wow. Like, I just, like, I didn't almost beat the guy, but I'm right there with a two-time world champ, you know? And then Sahin, I got basically screwed. You know, I took the guy down at the end to win, but they just decided that it wasn't a take. You, know, <laughs> you, you can just imagine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jobs, right? But that was just what. It, by that time in the trip, I had come to expect what was going to happen because it had happened so many <laughs> times, you know. And then that guy goes on to win the Olympics in '08, and in my head, I'm like, "Wow, like I'm right there," you know. And he goes to talk about, you know, uh, to speak on the power of your belief in yourself, you know, and the power of your, your 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 head, really, right? When you step on the mat, do you really believe more than anything in the world that you're the best, right? Absolutely. And I believe, at least for me. I'd always, I would have been great in college, but to me, this was like a really big moment where it was just cemented in my head where I was like, wow, like I was right there with a two-time world champ and Olympic gold medalist. I can win the national tournament. Are you kidding me? Like that's, there's no doubt, you know? So then when I got to wrestle um, in 08, I mean, nothing was automatic, obviously, but I just had such a belief in myself because of that one experience um, that, I think that it helped me a ton. I went out there with a the confidence. There was no, I'm going to work into the season how, and see how it goes, you know? So I think that was huge for me. And to just bring that back to the run real day, now, now you're seeing, like you had said earlier, you're seeing these young kids come out of high school and being so darn good. I believe a lot of it's because these are kids that are going on and they're wrestling at that world level. And one, it's, 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 a, it's a higher level, so they're probably more prepared. Mm-hmm. But at least through my experience, it gave me like a confidence. It gave me a belief in myself that, hey, if I can be at that level, then of course I can do this. Of course I can excel 
in the United States, you know? Well, especially when you're in a host, not actually hostile, but like, you know, you're in a foreign place. You're in. It was actually hostile. Right? (laughs) So is this like. Oh, yeah, uh, it was hostile. You you see the. uh, I was watching a video of like this old school duel in like 95 where it was like the world versus Dagestan and it was like. Um, Jordan Off was on the team. Terry was on the team. Kurt Angle was on the team. And then wrestling just like the local Russian team. And like the security mm-hmm. guards had AK-47s on them. <laughs> that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. um, did you ever see any of that kind of crazy stuff while you were over there? Oh, of course. It was it was unbelievable. It's the first time I ever traveled overseas. And I guess that we stopped on the border. Of, and this again, this is kind of foggy memory here, but we stopped on the border of what I think was Dagestan, like, there was something about the borders. We had to stop and we had to wait on this border. And they put us in a restaurant. And this was like the first thing that like really opened my mind was I was like, Hey, I got to go to the bathroom. And they're like, all right, number one or number two. I was like, yeah, number two. So they're like, okay, come with me. We walk out back and we leave the building and there's like a row of bushes. I say the bushes are like three foot tall. Yeah. The guy looks at me yeah. and he goes, crouch down. And I was like, what? He, he says, crouch down. He goes, snipers in the hills. <laughs> so he wanted me to crouch down so I could stay below the shrubs so I could oh take me out to a hole out back so I could go number two. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then uh and then yeah, so then when the so then they they, they brought um I don't remember I think our let's say our party was like fifteen people deep, right? So we had fifteen people with the United States delegation. Mm-hmm. Well they had brought fifteen individual black like SUV cars. And the bats were just loaded with AKs and all sorts of different machine guns and things, right? And then they put us individually, one at a time, in these cars. And then they drove us. And it was like, I don't remember exactly. Like it, it was probably like an hour to two-hour drive. It was a long drive. And they are driving 120 miles an hour the entire time. The road, they, the military had blocked off the road so that nobody was on the road. We were driving right down the dead center for an hour straight. And that's like through the hills um, and shit too, right? I mean, it's not flat ground yeah, there. It, yeah, it was unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, when you're talking about hostile, you, you're talking about like, man, like, you kind of felt safe because at least you had the guns on your side, but, you know. But um, man, how so, awkward yeah. must that caravan have looked to like an outsider? 15 black SUVs rolling through. Like, what? Like, we could have sat yeah, more than one person well, to a car, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's Russian, man. They, they, they do it different. So. so that's when. So, yeah. I mean, for a young guy to go, go over there, that's kind of where you started to develop some of this self-talk and I've, I've heard you talk about this before, but you know, what was your, what was your self-talk maybe like Saturday night going into the nationals, your sophomore year? Um, like how did you kind of balance the excitement versus the intensity? Um, I think as anybody, I think your sleep the night before is really hard to get. Right. Um, I actually, and the thing that I use to this day, I I had like a class at Iowa actually, and it was, the class was called relaxation, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, that was supposed to be a blow off class, which it was. Um, but they taught me like breathing techniques. So instead, especially so, I talking about like the night before. I don't know if I had as much self talk as I was going through like some different regimens and things that I'd learned about relaxation, just to get the self talk out of my brain. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you have so much, especially at least for myself, you have so much like uh, self doubt isn't the right word, but there's just like this evil just always wants to come in and destroy 
like your, your, your positive thinking, right? Cause it's doubt. You just have doubt that's trying to do that. So to me, if I could just clear any noise out of my head and help me relax and help me get rest the night before, you know, um, and then leading up to competition was never a problem for me. Usually the only time I ever struggled with any, any sort of mental issue, if you want to call it, would be just like getting in bed the night before, right? Where you got nothing but your thoughts to think about, you know? Well, that, it's because so. you probably busted your ass so hard that you just knew that, man, There's I did everything I possibly could, so whatever happens at this point, it happens. Yeah, yeah, and I think also that you, you kind of just get yourself back into your routine, right? So your routines are really great. Um, you wake up, and then you shower, and I do this, and I, you know, these are all the different things, and then you're kind of, you're just clicking, 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 and you don't have time to sit there and start thinking, well, oh, can I do this? No, no, we're, you know, you just, you keep yourself going. Um, and as far as just my routines and things I did, I, I always, before every single match, would, would, um, you know, I, I used a lot of, uh, what's the right word, the vision type stuff in my head where I would, I would imagine, you know, my opponent, I'd see their face, and I'd imagine every single shot that I was going to hit, and I'd imagine, okay, they're going to shoot on me, and here's how I'm going to sprawl, and I would watch it all just play out in my head, and at the end, you know, I'd get my hand raised. Um, so again, that's something I used from very young age until my very last match I ever wrestled. And talk about being lucky from a club's point of view. You know, that's something that old Paul Donahoe taught me when I was probably nine years old. And I'd used it ever since, you know. So talk about just being lucky that you got a, a teammate that has, at nine years old, teaching you techniques that, that you know, we pay people to try to teach our athletes to do now, you know. <laughs> so you were visualizing at nine years old? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Old Paulie, he had me in the corner. He grabbed me, put his arm around me, said, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And he would talk me through it, you know. We'd sit there. He'd talk me through it. All right, do your shot. Go, go, hit your shot. All right, all right, good. Now we get our hand raised, hand raised. Yep. It was unbelievable, man. <laughs> now, is this I mean, Donahoe's dad or like uh, when you say old Paul? Like, no, this is Paul Donahoe. Okay, gotcha, no, gotcha. So he's also so nine years old. Uh, uh, well, he was, I think, I think he's a year older than me. So he was whatever 10 or you know okay whatever our age difference was you know like maybe i was 10 he was 11 but it was it was young i remember where it was at it was in the kellogg arena like a freestyle greco like kids national i don't even know if it was national it might have just been like the state tournament and i had never i never won at that level yet and i remember that i did all these things with him because he told me to do it you know and i won that was the first time i won at that level I'd, I'd beaten a guy I'd never beat before, so it sold me. I was like, wow, that worked. That was it, you know? And what it was or not, I don't know. Um, but, you know, from then on, I'm like, I'm doing this every single match, every single time, you know? Would you do it during the week when you were working out as well or just at the tournaments? Uh, no, just before my competition. Just before you know, when the matches. nerves start to get up and stuff, you know, like, like that. Um, so. And then what were some of the breathing techniques you learned from that class? Was it basically just deep breath in deep breath out or were there any little techniques yeah that you things used? like that yeah the one that you know there's a bunch of different versions of it but the one that always worked for me was like um like pick a number i think let's say like five let's just call it five and you know you breathe out for a five count and you hold it hold it in or hold it out i guess for five and then breathe it back in for five and then hold it in for five right um and it's continuing to go over and over that and that's something that, especially, like I said, at nighttime, 
any time I had something where I was just restless, that would, I don't know how many times, it wouldn't take too long and I'd just be out, you know? Gotcha. That's, I'm just fascinated by stuff like that, little mental tricks. Um, It's crazy how much just breathing can, can do for you. Anyone, I mean, not even an athlete, just, you know, five deep breaths can make all the difference. Yeah. So when, yeah, no doubt. When you got to Iowa, was this the era when Mark Perry was already there and you guys all transferred in and he was kind of like one of the last remaining guys from that? From... Um, yeah, that's a, yeah. Okay. I don't know if he's the last remaining guy, but yeah, he was there. So my uh, ineligible year would have been his junior year. And then we wrestled on a team together my first year. He was a senior. I was a first, my first eligible year. Yeah, and I was thinking so, uh, Mako I transferred yeah, out. That, yeah, that's not the whole team. <laughs> um, What's that? No, Mako was not there. Okay. So I knew Mako really well because of just, you know, wrestling. But, no, he wasn't at Iowa at that time. Okay. And the reason I ask is Mark Perry was another guy where when he came out of redshirt and I'm like, wait, that's John Smith's nephew? Like, how badass is that that he didn't go to Oklahoma State? You know, but now knowing how good Johnny mm-hmm. Hendricks was, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but that's a yeah. guy who I, I'm sure you guys wrestled and he has definitely an unorthodox style. Like, what do you remember from, yeah. from battle and Mark Perry in practice? I remember exactly what you could imagine, which is the very unorthodox style and talk about a guy who will make you pay if you take a bad shot or even if you take a really, really great shot, still make you pay, you know? Um, so yeah, that was, one thing I really, really enjoyed about Mark was he was always a really, really smart um, wrestling mind, if that makes sense. Um, he was a student of wrestling. He was like, if you sat and talked to him, he could rally off this fact and that fact. And it was just really interesting, you know. And whenever him and I did talk, it was it was always very in-depth about wrestling or about uh, techniques or this and that. he broke things down at a much higher level than what I ever did. Cause to me, I, I, that was more like, keep it simple, you know? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it was, it was obviously great to have him, um, you know, with us for those two years. And I think we developed a pretty good relationship that we still stay in touch. So, yeah, I was just really curious about it. Cause I just think of two guys where I, I can't think of two opposite styles, but probably at the core level you guys are both just crazy competitors and will do anything to win um yeah and obviously he grew yep. up in a wrestling family i mean his dad was one of the the great division one coaches of the 90s and obviously yeah, that, yeah. Whole, that whole family um and yeah. so you're you're kind of renowned for known for your grinding mentality it's like what was a workout like for you not a workout but what was a day in the life like when you're at iowa maybe it's like mid midway through the season like, what time are you waking up? Like, how many workouts are you getting in? Like, what was a day in the life like for you back in your heyday at Iowa? Um, you know, I think it probably would surprise most people that my workouts would be similar to a lot of people's workouts. You know, I'm getting up at whatever time is appropriate to make sure I can get my workout in and then go to class. And then I have my 3 o'clock workout afterwards. And not that much. You know, you've heard some crazy stories about guys that would do three workouts a day all the time. Every now and then, maybe once-ish a week, I'd do a third workout. Um, but it all depends. You know, like, a lot of that was kind of in flex for me. You know, it was maybe some of it was if there's a weight management that needed to happen, but that, that my weight was always really good. Or maybe I 
you know, I can't sleep at night. Something's bothering me and I just need to go in and, and do something just to fix it. Right. Uh, whether you had a bad workout or something like that. So right. I would say as far as time or schedule goes, my workout wasn't any different. I think that the, um, the difference in that, again, I'm not trying to compare against anybody is that in those workouts, the intensity level was just, you know, that again, the way that I was kind of taught and trained was, you know, you and I should be able to go through the same workout, but I should crawl out of that workout, you know, where a normal person could just walk right out. Right. Cause the amount of effort and energy and points that you're trying to score that you're putting into the darn thing, you know? Right. So, you know, how did I get to where I could wrestle or grind as you called it was because of how I was training. You know, I don't, I don't, at least for me, I mean, there's a hundred different stories out there, you know, but, my story isn't, oh, I ran 15 miles a day and I did all this extra stuff. No, I just, I did our, our standard workouts usually twice a day, but you know, inside that workout, it was unbelievable. You know, I was trying to kill myself pretty much, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, again, talk about being creative and being a little crazy in your mind, you know? Um, and I've talked to our guys about this, you know, like, yeah, maybe the guy that you had that day, you're better than, but, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to score a hundred points there today. Right. Or if I'm wrestling, whoever I'm wrestling, and I adjust that gauge. Say, okay. Last time we win, I did this. Let's see if I can do more. Right. Can I, can I get, instead of 10 takedowns, can I get 15 on this guy next time? Man. You know? So that was the sort of mind games and things that I was playing during practice to get my, the most out of myself. Right. Cause if you just go through, it's one thing a lot of guys do this. It's one thing to just go through practice and whistle blows, you wrestle, hit get cup takedowns, get on top, hang out. But I wanted no part of that. You know, I wanted, I had goals set for even every section of practice. Whistle would blow, I'd create a goal, and I either meet it and I blow it out of the water, or I'd fail, right? And then within that failure, I'd have more motivation, right? All right, we have a next goal. Here's another five minute goal. All right, here's a new goal I just created in my head. Right? No way, um, dude. If I can reach you this time. So. Wow. That's all. That is, that's the kind of stuff that people love to hear about. And my next question was going to be like, was there ever a morning where you woke up and you just weren't feeling it and you had to make yourself go? Or were you always just fire inside of you, burning passion and couldn't wait to get in there? No, of course. That's, that's part of the gig. There's a lot of mornings you're going to wake up and not feel like it. I remember especially early season where we did a lot of running and a lot of hills and lifting, obviously, like I remember those times you come in and you're like telling yourself, like, I don't even think I can walk right now. Like my legs are so sore and so tight. And it's one of those things where you just, and you learn through experience, right? So as you get older, you kind of learn, you just do it. And the next thing you know, five, 10 minutes into your workout, you're feeling fine, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, just like anyone else, I mean, yeah, there's mornings you feel like, God, I feel like crap today or, my, you know, this or that. And um, I'm not saying you would go against an injury, right, or right. if you're sick on your deathbed that you should just go work out anyways, but just general soreness or general um, being tired from training, five, ten minutes usually fixes all that with my experience and the right attitude, right? So if you're moping and you got a coach that's, making you do something and you've got a bad attitude about it, then you might as well not even do it because you're not going to get anything out of that workout. Does that make sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. You really want to be there. You know, if you really want to be there and you may feel like trash, but if your heart's really in it, 
five, 10 minutes, your body's going to feel just fine. And then you'll be right back to where you were, you know, or close to where you were when you didn't, didn't feel fine, you know, or you did. So, but I always, and to this day, you know, I always just love wrestling. I love the sport of wrestling. I love doing it, you know, just as a coach. I, I, I could I could skip a lot of my job and just spend the whole all my time in the restaurant. That would be perfect. <laughs> you know? Fortunately, that's not how it goes sometimes. But that is like the highlight of my day. It's great. We get to put our wrestling shoes on, you know. And, yeah, now you're at Iowa State. You guys have a resurgence on the uh... – Looking at it. Oh, man, it's it's exciting. I – yeah, I'm born and raised in Illinois and a huge fan of the, the Illinois kids. Austin Gomez, man, what a stud he yeah. is. Love that kid. Yeah. So Yeah, he did a good job last year, fell a little short, so I'm excited God. to see how it turns out for him. That match against Philippi, that was a tough one to watch. He was right in that whole time. Yeah. Pull the guy to the center and finish. Don't do it out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um so let's talk about, I know we have about 10 minutes left, just coaching real quick. I thought it was interesting to know that you coached at Cedar Rapids Prairie for a year. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just curious, what did you, uh, I'm sure you learned something while you were there, but like, what, what do you take away from that yeah. now that you're at the highest level and, and you were at the highest level for a long time before that? What was it like, not stepping down to the high school level, but you know, stepping into a room where there's kids there where wrestling isn't their life, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in all honesty, it was probably the best thing I ever did. Um, because I think it, when I was at Iowa, you had this, you know, you start to build this, like, let's call it super crazy mentality, um, where your expectations are this, that, that, this, and it's really hard and really high expectations, which are great, which are really great. But then let's rewind a little bit. So it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me for my coaching career. Right. Because not every kid operates like I operated. Right. And you have to recognize that. Right. So when I went and I was at high, at a, in a high school program, the dynamic I was faced. So I walk in with these super high expectations and we're going to do this and that. And this is how we're going to train this, you know, and basically we're going to do it like me. Right. Well, mm-hmm. that don't that don't work Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> in a high school program. You've got kids that are there for their first time. You've got kids that are a few kids that are there that want to win a state title. You've got kids that are part of the football team that their coach makes them come just to try something different. You've got kids that are overweight and their parents are making them come just to get some exercise. You've got such a large dynamic of kids. And it's like, all right, if I approach this with these kids, like how I did, um, none of these kids are going to want to do this and they're all going to turn around and walk away. Right. So the, when I say that the best thing I ever did is it forced me to become a coach and it forced me to like learn these kids, learn while they're here, learn what makes them tick and learn what their goals are. Right. So if you're coming in and your only goal is is to have some exercise because your mom thinks you need some exercise. Well, okay. First thing, you know, I, I need to, I'm not, maybe we don't need to be at the level where I'm trying to make you a state champion yet. Right. Like I'm going to still keep challenging with the idea because I want you to be dreaming. Right. But I'm not going to sit there and like be a hard ass on you. You know, I'm going to get you to maybe try to enjoy coming into the practice room every day. Just enjoy it because ultimately our goal is to get you to get through the entire workout. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that makes sense, but it was the greatest thing for me because I really, really had to learn to deal with and manage 
a wide variety of kids that are there for different reasons, that come from different backgrounds, that just like are complete opposite of me, right? Um, and to me, now as I come to this level, and now even at the college level, right? It you know obviously that that gap between best guy and worst guy is a lot smaller, but every kid's different. Every kid operates differently. Um, how you're going to speak to them, how you're going to train them. I think every kid, I mean, you can have a general prescription for your team, right? But every kid needs a little bit different sort of love, if that makes sense. And I think that's something that I began to learn there and kind of carried over here where I kind of dropped my, I don't want to call it a tough guy guard, right? But that's the, that's just the simple word for it is where, you know, I dropped that, that, rah 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 there's only one way to do it no there's a lot of ways to do it there's a whole lot of ways to do it and every kid that comes in our door has different sets of talents and came from different places and if i as a coach can find out what's going to click for that kid and what's going to motivate him and what's going to make him come to practice with a smile on his face and enjoy doing it then i'm going to have the best chance of getting that kid to be you know it reaches highest potential you know yeah, and it's, man, how many high school coaches just don't even take the time to ask someone what their goals are with wrestling? They just assume that it's X, and they don't even do it on purpose. It's just something they don't, it just kind of happens. You just kind of get in the season, and next thing you know, it's December, and you're kind of rolling with it. But I can't imagine how many different goals there are for a kid to join wrestling. And so the fact that you took the time to learn mm-hmm. that, I'm sure helped both you and them. And... When you're at the college level, kind of looking back now on your competitive career, like what are some things you're learning now at the at the college coaching level that you thought, man, I wish I would have learned this as a competitor, or maybe what's something that's been a surprise to you coaching at the highest level? Um, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think I was in college wrestling for so long that I don't know if there's a whole lot of things that can surprise me. Yeah. Um, I think – just the coaching in general, obviously there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than what you could imagine as an athlete, whether it's recruiting or whether it's any of the hundred different things that we do outside of the sport of wrestling. Right. So I guess that's maybe new information to me, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's any surprise other than, you know, right back to where I started, which is that there's a lot of, a lot of different kids in a lot of different ways to get things out of kids. I think in college, at least as an athlete, and it should be this way, you're just focused upon yourself, right? And it's possible, and I don't know for sure, I think I have a good relationship with a lot of my teammates, but it's possible I could have, you know, while I was an athlete, um, kind of persecuted some of my teammates for not training (laughs) hard enough or not doing things my way, right? And I guess as a coach, when you look back, it's like, well, you know, that guy – maybe operates differently, you know, maybe he needs to be in a different sort of environment. And usually I minded my own P's and Q's, but right. That's, I mean, if anything I reflect back, it's that, that there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat, you know, and my way was, was great for me. And you know what, a version of it works great for a lot of kids, but, um, and again, you know, talk about teach them. You can teach them a lot of things too. You could take a kid that's one way, and over time, I think you can sell them and and you can steer them towards maybe your way of thinking, you know. And when you talk about the the vision stuff and you talk about the, the breathing or any of the different things, 
you teach them little things and those things help them to handle really tough and hard situations, you know? Right. So different strokes for different folks. Um, I just want to thank you for your time, Brent. Uh, the, the question we always ask to sign off is how did wrestling change your life? So if you just want to sign off with that, you know, like what are some of the things you take away from wrestling that you use every day still? I think big thing I took away from wrestling is handling adversity. Um, like I talked about, you know, what I love, so much about the sport of wrestling is that it's, when you step on the mat, it's you and another person, you know, and with that, um, you can be very proud, right? Like I said, you can be very proud when you get your hand raised. And if you don't get your hand raised, it's still something where you can, you can point at yourself and you can reflect on yourself and how, and maybe the mistakes that you made. And those are things that you can build and fix. I think in life in general, um, when things don't go your way, or when the life or the world doesn't seem very fair, I think any time you can point at yourself and you can say, okay, what can I do to change this situation? Or how can my outlook or how can what I can do um, to get myself back to where I want to be? I think that that is huge and powerful. Um, so I think that's something that's taught me. It's, it's taught me that my outlook on whatever situation I am in life um, has a, a lot of power over you know, my destiny, let's call it that, or how about just my happiness, you know? Um, so that's, that's how wrestling has changed my life. I love it, that man. That one-on-one -on -one combat to me. So. Awesome. You have a great day, man. Right. Have a great season, and thanks yeah, again. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.